Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by our special guest speaker. We're going to talk a little bit out of uh, Judges, the book of Judges chapter 6, so you can go there. Most of us will know the story, and one of the dangers of the stories that are very familiar is that we tend to kind of overlook them, like, yeah, we've been there, done that, but we're going to look at it fresh again today because God's Word is unsearchable. You can never exhaust it. Amen? Amen. Hello? Is anybody out there? Amen. Hey, why don't you just turn to somebody and grin at them? Act like they owe you money or something, you know? Uh, How many many have uh, made your New Year's resolutions? Come on, let me... Uh, you're all chickens. You're all cowards. Uh, come on. Uh, you know, how many, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many has decided that this is the year you're going to get, you're going to lose weight? Come on. Yeah. Uh, I did. Uh, you know, I always talk about losing weight right after I stuffed myself. You know it? And then I, you know, so at first I, well, this year, obviously I need to lose weight. I'm going to, I'm going to try to lose weight. So, uh, but then I thought, well, I'll cut it down to gravy and biscuits only once a week. And then I thought, you know, all my life I wanted to be tall, and I was never tall. And I finally got to where I'm taller laying down than I am standing up. And I'm not sure I want to lose that, you know. So uh, I'm not making a resolution yet to lose weight. I have made, I, I have made one resolution I've made a resolution to disconnect the Hallmark channel from my, my TV service. I don't, I don't, I, if I have to watch one more Hallmark Christmas movie with my wife, I'm jumping off a bridge somewhere. Let all the men say amen. I couldn't figure out why I was struggling with that, and then I realized nobody gets shot in those movies. And nobody gets killed. There's no, you know, no... <laughs> I just lost half of the crowd. All the ladies just wrote him off as a, as, a, as a derelict. So anyway, if you want to make a resolution, make a, make a good one. And I think getting rid of the Hallmark Channel will be a great one. You got your Bible? Let's go to uh, Judges uh, chapter 6. Uh, we want to continue to uh, pray for Pastor Brenda and Pastor Tom and, and Beth. Um, this morning, uh, don't, don't know their exact condition, but uh, I, know, <laughs> I know if he calls me to preach, he's desperate for something, you know. So let's keep them in prayer. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, 21 is gone and 22 is here. Everybody say, praise God. Uh, and it, I remember Pastor Tom saying, you know, last year when we went into 21, I remember him saying, well, what if it doesn't get better? What if, what if it, you know... How many know that God is still God even when it's adverse circumstances? How many know he's at work? He's always doing something. So, and I just want to declare to you that whatever you're thinking for the coming year for your life, God is thinking something very much larger. I should have got an amen there. Whatever you're thinking... God is thinking something bigger. 
You remember, and, and I, I use this scripture a lot, and we're not going to stay there uh, uh, for but just a second, but Jeremiah 33, 3, where God says uh, that if we'll ask him, he's got thoughts. He's, he knows things say, that you don't even know, he says, and he says, I, I will show them to you. Great and mighty things. So God knows secrets, and I don't know about you, but I want to tap into them this year, Amen. One of the, uh, I had a birthday this week. Happy birthday, y'all want to, finally made 50 and more. Um, uh, And one of the advantages of getting older, seriously, one of the advantages of getting older is you have history now on your side. You you have the experiences that a, a young person, they're ahead for the younger. And, and so you can relate to things like when David, when, when David would say, well, I was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed out begging for bread. Because when you get older, you can look back at all of those times where you thought you were going under. And realize that you, in fact, are still here today, and you didn't go under. And so, obviously, that was a, that was a deception, right? And so, one of the advantages of turning 68 is I have these 40 to 50 years of, of following Jesus and, and, and doing life together with the Lord. But there is a danger, and we'll see it in the life of Gideon as we go through these. The main two verses that we're going to pull out of here in in Judges chapter 6 will be uh, verses 12 and verse 13. But we're going to, for the sake of time, we're going to kind of skip through here and use it as a narrative. But I'm amazed at how God dots our lives with definable moments and miracles. Now, in a few minutes, Lord willing, I'm, I'm, I want to kind of break down the difference between a blessing and a miracle. But it's, it's, it amazes me that how God has the ability to take the lowest points or the lowest moments or, or the harshest things that could come my way and turn those into defining moments for my life. Now, so I want to talk to you about defining moments with miracles because if you're following Jesus, he has many intersections in your life where he, you think you're going that way, but he's now going to take you this way. And many times we think we've hit the wall and in reality, God is at work. Come on, somebody say amen. And so... For, se- for the uh, sake of time and for background, uh, for maybe somebody that's new the, to the Word, these two chapters, chapter 6 and chapter 7, are, are, they're the parts of Gideon's life where he's, that he's known the, mo- the, the, the most for. These are the moments where, where Gideon was in a fix. Can we say it that way? He was in a bind. And God showed up. And I want to declare to you today that in 2022, God is going to show up in your moment. There are defining moments in your life. And I'm telling you by experience, 
What a blessing it is to get old and look back and realize that nothing is impossible with God. And that all of the times that I thought I was going under, he was just setting the stage for an impossibility to become a challenge. Amen. And then you get to know God through those experiences. You fall in love with him because he didn't let you down. Come on, say amen. And, and, and I think uh, at my age, one of, one of the greatest thrills I have is, is knowing where I was and now where I am and realizing that if God would have... Sh- if God would have asked me way back when I was a young man, how would you like for your life to go? I would have so undersold this thing, you guys. I, it would have been laughable what I would have asked God for. And God was thinking something much, much bigger. Can you say amen? I'm, I'm the, you're, look, you're looking at the, the, I'm the last guy on earth who ever thought he'd be a preacher. <laughs> In a few minutes, you'll know why after I'm finished. Uh, and, and yet we spent 40 years in full-time ministry or more and 36 years with the same church in the same church we started and watched God do amazing things. And, and, uh, and, and in fact, my wife, she, she uh, married me because she didn't want to be married to a preacher. <laughs> Kept it hid till I got her. But that's all right. She's Italian and she kept her Italian family hid till I proposed too, you know, so we're even. So we're in this setting uh, where um, Israel is pushed up against the wall. Now you have to understand the the promised land was God's contract with them. The the promised land was their gift from God. How many remember when Abram was over at his father's, tending his father's uh, uh, sheep the Lord tapped Abram on, a sh- on his shoulder and says, I'm going to take you to a place that I have for you. You know, a- Abram, who later became Abraham, he wasn't asking for the promised land. It was an idea that came from God's heart, not his. And so, and you know, 420 plus years go by, and now they're in it, and now they are, in essence, have lost it. Because the Midianites, I'm just giving you background, the Midianites had come up against them, and they were in massive numbers. They were, the Bible says they were like uh, 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 the locusts. They were innumerable. They were, and so they would come up, and, and, and they would, uh, when the children of Israel would plant their, their food, when it was harvest time, Midianites would come up and steal it. It's kind of like uh, it is here now today in, in, in life. That how many know the enemy wants to steal everything from you? You know, the stuff that God gave you, it's your gift from the Lord, and the enemy wants to take it away from you. And so here the Midianites are oppressing the children of Israel, and they're really in a bind. And the Bible says real clearly that they're pretty much on the verge of starvation. They're hiding in caves. Uh, they're desperate in every sense of the word. And I want to uh, elaborate here for just a moment because I sense by the raising of hands that there might have might be a few people here today that you're kind of in that place. You're in that spot as we start into a new year full of promises. You're you're raising your hand saying, you know, right now I'm being pushed up against some unpleasant circumstances. And so in verses 1 through 6, you see the de- desperation of Israel. 
at the hands of the Midianites. Won't go into who the Midianites are, but let's just suffice it to say they're not on our side. Can you say amen? And then in verse 7, we see that uh, Israel finally gets to that place where they realize they can't fix this problem themselves. And so in, 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 in verse 7, it says, And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent. And over the next few verses, he sends a prophet. The prophet gives them a prophecy, and then he sends an angel, and the angel gets uh, Gideon's attention. Now, and so when, so here comes the angel, and the angel says, uh, look over in verse 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto Gideon, and he said unto him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. <laughs> I think that's funny because you know where he was at the moment? He was, uh, he was, uh, he was over behind the mill wheel, He's the, the, where they crushed the grapes, and, and he's hiding back there, threshing out the, 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 the wheat. In other words, he's, he has to, everything he has to do, he's doing it on the defense. He's, he's huddled in, in a foxhole, so to speak, and, and hiding from the Midianites. And, and the angel says, you mighty man of valor. One of the things I've learned as I, as I got older is that uh, the way I see myself is not the way God sees me. Can you say amen? amen. How many know that a lot of times we just need to chuck that self-image that we've conjured up over the years? Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Because it does not adequately depict who we are in Jesus. Come on. We live with uh, inadequacies, impossibilities, intimidations, and in the reality, we have God in us. Come on. If God be for you, come on, finish it. Who can be against you? Come on. Why don't you just look at your neighbor and say, you have God in you. Come on. You have God in you. The God that spoke and all that was not became all that is in a split second. You have that God in you. Come on. Say amen. But Gideon, he's, he's fallen into a snare that I think is the same today as it was in his day. So the angel says, you mighty men of valor. And you can hear everybody laughing right there. And Gideon said unto him, verse 13, oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us. And I want you to underline that because, see, it's the enemy's trick to try to convince you that God has moved away, that God is not real, that he doesn't do what today what he did back then. I, I want to tell you God does do to, he's the God, there's no shadow, there's no variance, he never changes, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We may get hung up, but God is still on the throne. And so here's Gideon, and he says, oh, wait a minute. Uh, if, if, if you're God, he, he really says two things. If, if you're God, then why all the problems? Can I tell you something that just because problems are in our lives doesn't mean that God's on vacation? And, 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 and we'll see that in just a moment. He says, so, you know, if you're, if, come on. Uh, he says, why then is all this befallen us? If you're God, why are we up here in the caves? defending and fighting to survive. And then the second thing he says, listen to this, listen to this. 
He, he says, and where are all the miracles that our fathers told us about? You see, the devil, he's sly. And, and he'll work on our head. He'll work on our thoughts. And you, without us even realizing it at times, he will, he will whittle away at our faith in such a way. I mean, he was introduced as the most subtle of all beasts, right? Uh, he'll, if I was the devil... <laughs> which I'm not. I just want, want to clarify that, all right? But if I was the devil, I would want to do what I do without you knowing I'm doing it. And so he's hammering away at, at this thought in our minds sometimes that, you know, God doesn't do supernatural things now. It's not, it's not like the Bible days. We're, we're, we're kind of like uh, the sisters of Lazarus. When Lazarus was dead, uh, Jesus said, uh, they said, you know, Jesus, if you would have been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died and, and, and uh, Jesus said, well, don't you know I am the resurrection and the life? And it, yeah, Lord, we know in the end you're going to, uh, you know, you get, there's the resurrection. And, and, and what do we say? They could believe Jesus for yesterday if he'd have been here. They can believe him for tomorrow. But right now we got a problem on our hands and you can't do a blessed thing about it. I want you to know that that's a lie. Satan does not, he, he cannot convince us that God doesn't do modern day supernatural miracles. Can you say amen? amen? Now he doesn't throw them around wholesale. Amen. You know, how many know that if God gave, gave a miracle every time we want one, you'd never have burnt toast for breakfast. And, 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 you know, so there are some circumstances that in my old age I've come to realize kind of are the catalyst for God doing the supernatural. But Gideon asked these two questions. Number one, why, are I, why am I in this mess? Why is my people in this mess? If you're the Lord and if you're here, why all of this has come upon us or be balling us? The second thing is, and where are all the miracles that our fathers told us? And what, if you want to parenthetically look underneath that, he's saying, were they lying to us or was that really true? is what he was saying. And so, so verse 8 through verse 12, God supernaturally steps in to their predicament, their situation. And in and, and and those four or five verses, God begins to, to, to show Gideon that he's real and that he's on the scene. Now, the message this morning is about defining moments. As I look back over my life at 68 years old, I've come to realize that th those moments it, where, where it, it seemed the darkest, the moments where I seemed to be the most powerless, the, the moments in my life where my options had moved away from me, when, I, when it felt like I was boxed in and trapped and living in a cave and lost my blessing and all the things that the Lord had given me, in those moments where things seemed to be so dismal, in retrospect, looking back, those were the defining moments of my life where God was actually at work. Come on. Now, you know, the first one I learned about uh, when I was 17, I had a motorcycle wreck and I was... Uh, uh, I guess you'd call it in a coma for a, uh, the better part of a week. <laughs> I just want y'all to know I didn't have any brain damage, all right? Come on, he, say amen. amen. I'll, I'll feel a little more secure here. 
But so, you know, and they called in my family and I was going to die and all that. And then for the next three months, I was laid up. And, and uh, my mom, by the way, who's here this morning, 86 years old, going to be 87. She's the prayer warrior. Uh, we're, we're there and I'm laying in this hospital bed in the living room for, the, for a long time. And, and I'll never forget, 17 years old, how dismal and how horrid my circumstances appeared to be. And yet I look back in those, at that moment when God used that situation to redirect my life in a completely different uh, direction. Long story short, I couldn't work, so I went to youth camp, went to youth camp. They had a display for Bible college, went to Bible college. <laughs> I'd like to say learned the Bible, but really I met my wife there. So, so I, you know, double bonus. But, and, and then my whole, you know, and that's just one of the many defining moments where I'm going this way and God's tapping me on the shoulder and he's taking me this way. And, and so here's Gideon thinking that, you know, we're, we're, all, is, all, is, uh, all is lost and, and God shows up in the middle of that situation. Now, defining moments usually will come with miracles. And in a minute, I want to talk to you about the miracle, what a miracle is. But if you look at the scriptures, you look back, you, you realize that the Bible is full of these defining moments. Abram that I've already mentioned, God taps him on the shoulder, changed his life, took him in a whole different... How about Moses? Moses is uh, herding Jethro's sheep, and he's contented for another 40 years to, to herd sheep for his father-in-law. And then all of a sudden, here's this burning bush, and everything changes from that moment forward for the life of Moses. How about Esther and Mordecai? How, how, how about Ruth who, who was, would be contended to have the gleaning of the corners of the field, but God's idea was to give her the entire farm. Come on. And if you look at the scriptures that we get excited about, that over and over, though we're reading stories of how God intersected the supernatural with the natural, and all of a sudden, a natural person's life goes in a supernatural direction, and it becomes the defining moment for them. And what they become or what they experience is so much greater and so much better than what they would have ever chosen for themselves. Because God has thoughts about us, as Sister Rhea has already mentioned. And they are good thoughts, not bad thoughts. They are good plans, not bad plans. Can I say it this way? It's not enough to know God. We have to know what kind of God he is. Come on, say amen. And so uh, you look in scripture and, 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 and we enjoy these uh, narratives of people whose lives took off in a whole new direction because God stepped in. And that's what's taking place in the life of Gideon here today. You see, Gideon's story, for those who may not know, is that God says, I'm going to use you to deliver Israel and, and uh, overpower and, and, uh, and, 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 and break the chains from the Midianites. And, you know, the, the, by the way, the third thing that it, Gideon says, you got to be kidding. That's what he said. you got to be kidding. He said, I'm the youngest of the weak. You know, I, I am part of the tribe of Manasseh. Does anybody know who the, half of the Manasseh tribe wouldn't even go into the promised land when they finally got there. They stayed on the other side of the Jordan. They, they were happy with just not, not taking everything that God had for them. 
And he's saying, you know, I am the least of the least of the least of the least. And you're choosing me to be the guy who's going to over, overturn the grip of the Midianites? Mm, no, see, because he could. How many know that God is not intimidated by our humanity? You know it? Uh, yeah, we have limitations. Uh, but, 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 you know, we have God in us, don't we? And so when we look at these stories in Scripture of Ruth or David, you know, what would David be without a Goliath? What would the children of Israel be without a Red Sea? Come on, you know? What, what would Jonah be without a whale experience? Right, you, you, you get in the picture here? Uh, you know, but we look back at these things and we think, wow. But listen, they're no different than us. They're no different than us. And God's not changed. He's the same. I'm telling you, God wants to do some miracles for people in this room. Starting today, can you say amen? And I'm not, you know, I've, I've never been uh, good at hyping people up. I, I couldn't get up here and say this stuff if I hadn't experienced it. Amen? amen. Somebody say amen. But I look back over my life and I, and, and, and I see the hand of God. You know, and there's been times where I've made statements and God had to just laugh, right? Because I would make them out of my humanity, not realizing that, that God is a supernatural God who he can just move his little finger and everything changes, you guys. But part of the confusion is sometimes we fall into this trap of believing that the, those miracles are no longer available or we fall into the, the, the trap uh, 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 just thinking that, you know, we're the lesser, that we're inadequate. I, I spent, listen, let me tell you something. I spent way too many years in my younger days uh, devaluing who I was in the kingdom of God. And, you know, and I'm not trying to be arrogant here. I, how, how many know that humility is, I don't know what it is, but if, what, if you know what it is, send me a note up here, all right? <laughs> no, <laughs> Humility is not, de is not denying your strengths, it's, it's admitting your weaknesses. But when you realize that with God in you, you can do all things, it's amazing. And so here's Gideon. He, in his own mind, he's, he can't do these things, and, uh, and obviously not, because his situation was demanding a miracle. And I saw some hands raised here this morning where somebody in this house is in a set of circumstances where you need a miracle. And I believe that God sent this, this praise team and those particular songs here today and this word this morning to tell you that with God, all things are possible and possibilities just simply become challenges. And so I want to share with you five things, though, that I've noticed about these defining moments in my life and as I look in the scriptures. Number one, here's some observations. God was up to something much bigger than I ever imagined. I wish I, I, wish I had the time to tell you the journey. But what I've learned in these moments of despair, similar to Gideon's and the children of Israel, was that even though there were adverse circumstances around, God was up to something. Now, we could stop right here and go home if you buy that. If you understand that even though things are kind of precarious and things are, things, the deck is stacked against you, 
If you can understand that even when that's going on in your life, your, your family has left you, the, the job has gone away, the finances have broken down, your health, whatever it is that's come your way, if you could just come to the belief or the realization that God is still in it and he's still up to something, we could go home right here today. Amen? And so looking back in retrospect, I noticed that God was up to something even though I couldn't see it at the moment. Now here's Gideon sitting under a tree, the angel's talking to him, and the angel said, I'm going to deliver the children of Israel out of your hand, and, 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 and Gideon saying, nah, you know, I don't know. And if he could have just realized that God was up to something much bigger than what he could ever imagine, I mean, who would Gideon have guessed that six or, you know, at least four and a half what, three and a half, four thousand years later, you and I would be using his name and talking about this incident? Come on. He didn't, how many know he didn't see that? But God was at work. So just turn to somebody right now and say, God is working in your life. Come on. God is working in you. God is at work here. So the first observation is that God was up to something much bigger than I ever realized. The second observation, looking back, is that every one of these defining moments completely redirected my life. You know, I don't know about you, but uh, I, I would hate to live life bored. I don't, I, I, can I tell you something? I haven't had a boring minute in 40 years. When you follow Jesus, folks, nothing, look, just read the book of Judges. I mean, it's, it's got murder. They could... They could have a whole TV network just on the stories and the book. There is nothing boring about the Word of God or the journey with God along beside you. Can you say amen to that? And, and, but I do remember my younger years, you know, being bored, not knowing what, you know. But listen, when God steps into your life and takes you in a new direction, you aren't going to get bored. That's going to be the least of your problems. You're going to hang on like Mr. Toad's wild ride at Disneyland. Can you say Amen. Because God is doing something bigger and it's going to be a redirection of your life. I, I, I just, uh, you know, it's amazing how the, 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 you know, some people, they look at God like, they, you know, there's, some people think of God like he's their GPS. You know, the, the global position. How many thank God for GPS? Come on, let me, see. I just want to make sure you're still awake. How many thank God for GPS? Isn't that the greatest invention in our lifetime, you guys? You know, guys, now you have two women in the car telling you what to do instead of one. But, and what makes you frustrated is she's always right. <laughs> you know, now that ain't right. I'm going this way. You end up in a dead end somewhere. You know, you, you, could, you could think of God as your GPS, that he directs your steps and you're going to follow him and let him be Lord of your life. Or he could be your EMS, your emergency medical, whatever the S stands for. Who's a, who, uh, you know, that he comes and rescues you after you've crashed and burned. I don't know about you, but I'd a lot rather use it, relate to God as my direction giver. Can you say Amen. And, and, and so while he's being my GPS, I'm not going to be bored because God has taken me places I would have never asked for on my own. The third observation is that each one of these defining moments, and here's, here's, here, here it comes, they came with a personal cost to me. 
Have you, have you ever noticed that God works that way? That, that, you know, we're partners with God. We're co-laborers with Him. Uh, he won't do it without us. We can't do it without Him. Can you say amen? But, 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 but boy, if we do it together, it's the sky is the limit. We have a much further horizon in life because we're walking hand in hand with the Lord. And so each one, though, there was always something. There's a fly here. The, the fly died while I was preaching. I, I usually don't stop till somebody falls out in the aisle anyway. So, But there was always, you know, the, the disciples, you know, they fished all night, didn't catch anything. Jesus said, hey, you catch any fish? No, we fished all night. We're getting ready to wrap up the nets. And the Lord says, why don't you throw your nets down on the other side of the boat? And they said, oh, well, you know, you know, we've been, we did, we're professional fishermen. We did this. And I, I look back at that and I say, why didn't the Lord just tell the fish to swim under the boat? And I'll tell you the reason why, because anytime we're going to go on this journey with the Lord, we're going to do it together. There, there had to be something that they needed to do as an act of faith. That's the way it works. And so looking back over these defining moments in my life, the third thing I realized is that every one of them came with a cost to me. God won't, won't usually give you a, a T-bone steak until you're willing to turn loose of your bone. That works. He, he, he'll, give you a, 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 he'll give you a nice brick home when you're willing to give up your shack. Abram, get thee out of your father's land into a land that I will futuristically show you. There's always a cost to it. He, he said, to, you know, I think about Peter. The Lord says to Peter, you know, when he meets him in, uh, uh, I think it's Mark chapter 1. He, he meets him and he says, Peter, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And so Peter said, okay, I'll do that. And he follows him these three plus years and he messes things up royally till he's just an absolute loser. He just betrayed the Lord. In his mind, he's saying, no, it's over. I'll never be great. Uh, because he's looking at himself in the human perspective and God's looking at him like what I have planned for you. And then here you have 12, uh, 11, well, 12 counting Matthias that got added on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, and, and the Lord has a, he can pick any one of these 12, but he picks Peter to, to, to preach the message that births the church and brings in 3,000 souls in one moment because basically what the Lord was saying is, I had big plans for you. You might have messed them up, but I'm still God. And I can take you from where you are to where I intend to, for you to be. And, and, I, and Peter, we got some unfinished business. I told you if you'd follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Now get up there and preach this message. Peter preaches the message and he brings in the net and 3,000 souls are added to the kingdom. This is how God works. The fourth observation I've seen is that every one of them resulted in a graduation, not a devastation. More prosperity, more opportunity, more blessings are lost out of fear than out of failure. But I don't know where I is this a, where I came from. That would have got a good amen. 
No, seriously, looking back, more, more we, how about, how about those lost opportunities that God had something really big, but our fear holds us back, and we never know. You, you never know what God was going to do because we sidestepped his blessings out of fear. Uh, you know, the Lord may be asking of you something today. You may, there may be a, there's almost always going to be a cost. To, to the entrance to it. But can I tell you something? God is faithful. It's never been devastation. It's always been a graduation. It always gets me up to the next level in the Lord. Come on, say amen. amen. And then the last observation is that in my old age, these defining moments have given me bragging rights. Come to my house for dinner. I'll tell you all of my stories. It's given me great memories and bragging rights. You know what Jesus said, you know, the world is going to uh, rejoice, but you're going to, he's talking to, in, in the book of John, he's talking to his, his disciples. He said, the world's going to rejoice, you're going to lament. In fact, here's what he says, you're going to be like a woman who's giving, uh, uh, travailing in birth. And then, and then he's, and, and but then he says, but if you'll, if you'll, if you'll go with me, hang with me, he, he says, in the end, you're going to have a joy that no man can take away. You know, at my age, I have my memories of what God did, what God's doing, what God, and I'm not done, by the way, but I want you to know that I have memories that if I get 20 minutes to lay my head down before I die, I will not be looking at the Lexus or the Mercedes or the BMW or the whatever. I will be looking back at the great things God did along the journey of my life. Because there's a joy when you birth something into the kingdom for the Lord Jesus Christ, when you lend yourself uh, available to his work, there is an excitement that goes with that. There is an adventure that goes with that. There is a bragging rights, joy, and memories that go with that that no man can ever take away from you. I could spend more time on that, but I won't. And so here's Gideon looking at himself as a natural man not realizing that with God, all things are possible and God's thinking something very big. Now, miracles are more than blessings. A miracle is, 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 is greater, miracles are greater than blessings. Any, anybody here ride a Harley? Uh, actually, Brent, uh, both those guys, uh, you got a Harley over there? You know, if you gave me your Harley, I'm just saying, you know, that would be a blessing. But it wouldn't be a miracle because you're a nice guy and I deserve it. So meet me after church. A lot of what we call miracles is God did it. Yes, he did it. But it was a blessing, not a miracle. A miracle is when an axe head floats. A miracle is when the sun stands still. In Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says that the earth was without form and void, uh, Hebrew tohu and bohu. Uh, uh, you, you know, <laughs> I don't want to insult anybody, but think of your teenager's bedroom. That's what the earth was like. It was a chaotic mess. You don't have teenagers. You don't know what that means. <laughs> but the earth, it, you know, was without form and void. And then God spoke, and what did He do? He set things in order: photosynthesis, thermodynamics, the laws of physics. 
He just separated this and that and he, and he gave it all a system by the declaration of the authority of his word. He set things in motion. And those are laws. They're natural laws. You can count on them. We know how much lift a wing will give, thank God, when we get up in an airplane. We know that the wings are adequate because we can predict. Come on. Because God is consistent all the way through with what he's created for us. But a miracle is when the Lord steps in the middle of it and he superimposes his fresh plan over the circumstances and he kind of puts a pause button on his natural laws. This is why God doesn't do miracles every time we ask for one. If he did, we'd be back to Genesis chapter 1 again. Chaos. So they are laws of order, but a, a miracle is a situation where God decides to let the sun stand still for a little while. You know, let the axe head float. Take a sack lunch from a little kid and feed the 5,000 with it. He can multiply. He can do these things because he has superimposed his plan over his programs or his policies or his laws. And so blessings is when God does something wonderful, but it is understandable. But a miracle is when God supernaturally suspends his own natural laws. And he does, now I'm saying this and I'm making this distinction because if, 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 if at all possible, I would like you to leave this room today understanding that regardless of what you're up against, God is about to do something great in your life. Can you say amen to me? And so the, you say, well, you know, there are circumstances where God is more prone to do supernatural miracles one of the things I've learned is that when we're in a mess, uh, how many know that God, you, you know, here, look at Gideon for a minute. You know, all, all these thousands, was it 32,000 people showed up to fight this fight and Gideon's like, yeah, we can do this. And the Lord said, no, nah, we got to do, and he cuts it out, you know, down, we're down to 22,000, 22, goes home. And, and then so now we got 10,000. The Lord said, now, you know, the problem with 10,000, Gideon, is if you fight the Midianites with these 10,000, you're going to say, I did it. And God said, you know, how, can I say it this way? I think sometimes God rather enjoys making things impossible first. Yeah. Amen. And, and so, you know, so Gideon, you know, this is, <laughs> we got to do better than this. And, he, and, and, he, and so he, he's, he had, takes them to the lake or the water river and let them drink and, and sends another bunch of them home. And now Gideon's got 300. He's looking at 300 in the armies of the Midianites. And uh, I can't do this now. And God says, right, so let's go do it. That's the way it works. I, I really think that sometimes the Lord is cute. Because he really does like to make it impossible before he brings it to pass. That ought to encourage somebody today. I wanted to tell you some stories of what I experienced in Los Angeles in 36 years of pastoring. But we're out of time. Got the picket, picketers out there free of the hostages now. So we won't be able to do it. But can I, t can I tell you this? This, this, these, this insight of who God is and how big he is, it came to me in the scariest moments of my life. There was always a price that I had to pay. But in the end, what I purchased with that price was invaluable. Because in the end, God showed up. 
uh, you know, in, in Los Angeles, this would be back 2001, uh, 2000, yeah, 2002, 2003. Our church was full. It was paid for 300 to 400 people on a Sunday morning. It was paid for. We were, we had a school, listen to this, you guys. We had a school of uh, 75 and a preschool of 90-something and a congregation of three to 400 in attendance. I don't know how many claimed it as their church. Uh, on one acre, one acre. Uh, we parked at the high school. We had a shuttle bus like you do at the airport. And for the last three years we were there, we would pick them up at the high school parking lot, bring them around, drop them off at the front door of the church. And then after church, they would line. Can you try to build a church that way? And you say, well, why would you put up with that? Because even back then, land was a million plus an acre if you could find any. And mostly what it meant was tearing, buying something that existed, tearing it down, and fighting the city for years. And, and so we, we, uh, we went on a nine-year journey. Nine years. And we watched God do miracle after miracle after miracle. We went in our new building, it was somewhere around 9 to 10 million. We went into our new building nine years later. We were half the size of when we voted to do it. I think we were running about less than 200 people, kids and all. And along the way... We had sold the church, we were in uh, theaters, we, we met in everything, empty parks, uh, empty lots, uh, high schools, women's homes, Masonic Lodge, we, you name it, we met there. Because in LA, they have regulations and you can't just meet anywhere. It took three months to get permission to have an Easter service on our empty lot. We had to have an evacuation plan on an empty lot for Easter. I said, if, well, <laughs> evacuate, it's an empty lot. Just get up out of your chair and run in any direction. But we had to, it's regulation after regulation. Anyway, nine years later, we go in and our payment was 27000 a month, interest only, with less than 200 people, kids and all. Never laid on the pavement. Never. I told this story up in Montana at a conference, and the next day the pastor called me and said, I got these two wealthy ranchers up here. They have something like 35,000 acres and cattle, and they're saying that can't be true. So I had to pencil out for him what God did. Can I tell you, what I'm trying to say here is a long, uh, third, fourth year into this journey, I was sitting in the floor like Gideon in his cave, in a fetal position thinking I had lost the people's church because see I was seeing it like a human and God was seeing you know and, and there is a price to pay but if y'all hang in there God has something so amazing for you you'll be up in front of a group of people with bragging rights come on say amen and we make our boast in the Lord not in ourselves. I was telling some of the leaders just a few not a few weeks ago on the phone I would still be scared to death today if we had to do that journey again why? Because I don't know how we did it. Because we didn't do it. God did it. Amen? And now today the church is prosperous. It's full again. It, it's become a lampstand church in the community. I've got to wrap this up. Here's, how, here's what I think. I think that God wants to make this church new hope. A lamp stand church 
in this city or these cities or this community, ever how you want to frame it. A lampstand church. Can you just say that with me? A lampstand church. We don't want to be a house full of people where the people out there don't give a hoot what we're doing in here. I believe that God wants to use us. to. We got a city to save. Can you say amen to that?